Todd Bowley has resisted the urge to sign the shiniest of objects with news that Chelsea are now passing on the opportunity to pick up Cristiano Ronaldo. What does this mean for the want away Man United star? And what does it say about Chelsea's new owner and the Blues' new way of thinking transfers? I'm joined by James Bench to discuss all and that much more on K Galasso. K Galasso begins now. Today's K Galasso episode is presented by Gillette Clear Antiperspirant. For those who don't like to sweat, the choice is clear. Gillette is your ticket to all-day freshness. Gillette, the best a man can get. Hey, everybody. I'm Michael LaHood, and I'm joined by the one and only James Benj. Benj, how you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Ah, man, just sweating away in this Texas heat, and I was definitely sweating over what looked like to be the worst news of this transfer window. We're going to just dive into that. Cristiano Ronaldo and Chelsea. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to work out, is the worst news that Ronaldo's staying at Man United? Oh, jeez. You know, we, we could do that in the Man U deep dive as a United fan. I, I think so. That 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 could be the worst of these. But the second worst was to go to a rival. And looking at this transfer saga, you know, how did this all come about? Let's let's go back to the beginning before we get to how we got here. Well, I mean, it, it's pretty simple. You know, uh, earlier this month or, or late last month, um, Cristiano Ronaldo told Manchester United he wanted to leave. Mm. You know, he wants to play in the Champions League. He is the Champions League's greatest goal scorer. He is kind of one of its most successful players ever, the face of that competition. And I think, you know, a player that's very conscious of his legacy and that wants to eke out as many years at the top of the game as possible didn't want to be playing in the Europa League with Manchester Mm. United. He told them he wanted to leave. They said publicly, uh, or they 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 briefed pu- publicly, that they didn't want to sell him, uh, that they wanted him to see out the final year of his contract. And, you know, we are where we are now because no real interest has materialised. Chelsea, their owner, Todd Bowley, he spoke to, to George Mendes and Ronaldo was one of several things that, that, that they discussed in that meeting. And they've been mulling it. Um, but the news has kind of come today from within the Chelsea camp that they don't want to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. And that pretty much leaves Ronaldo. I mean, we can talk about this a bit more, but it leaves him with very few tempting options in Europe. That much is sure yeah. certain. Well, if you're George Mendes and Cristiano Ronaldo, do you see this as an opportunity that, to probably take advantage or possibly take advantage of Chelsea having new owner and chairman? Yeah, there's certainly a degree to which you can, you could, believe that is the case that you know that Todd that, that Todd Bowley he he is acting not just as chairman as and not only as part owner but interim sporting director mm. there is no structure at Chelsea that will come you know they're working on getting a director of football but I, I would be very 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 surprised if he is in place by the end of this transfer window so you know Todd Bowley doesn't know how European football works he may well be attracted by stars any new owner will want to make a splash. So if you're George Mendes, you do think, well, you know, let's talk to this guy. He's one of the few that can, I mean, also he's one of the few players, uh, one of the few clubs, one of the few chairmen that can afford Cristiano Ronaldo. We're talking half a million pounds a week in wages. We're talking, you know, Manchester United will want some form of transfer fee. Um, it's It's a huge investment and not one that pretty much, more than half a dozen clubs outside the Premier League yeah. could afford to make. So, yeah, I think there, there is an argument that maybe they were trying to test out uh, Todd Bowley's footballing intelligence. And mm. 
you know, we can talk about this a bit more, but I think Todd Burley's probably passed that test and this would yeah. not have been a good move to make for Chelsea. Yeah, I, I think of when I think of a test like this, I'm so glad you said it in that way. I, you know, me, I'm always doing song references and movie references, but any coming of age as an owner or as a businessman in a new sport or a new realm, these are the, the many hurdles you have to get over. And, you know, Thomas Tuchel comes out as this is being decided. And ultimately, Todd Bowley is the one who has to decide this. And he comes out and says, look, Ronaldo doesn't fit what I'm looking for. And Todd Bowley then has the opportunity to either you go with your new manager that you have that that you're going to lean on quite a bit to understand the game, or you go against him and there's friction already from day one. And as we talk about Thomas Tuchel's system, how would a Ronaldo fit in or does he even fit in? Well, I mean, you're certainly right to mention Tuchel because I think in the end, if if he'd been in favor of this move, mm. it wouldn't have shocked me if it had all happened. I do. I have. I have an idea about how this this fits in. How he would. How how Ronaldo would have fitted in. I just don't think anyone uh, in the Cristiano Ronaldo camp would have liked to hear it. You know what is what Cristiano Ronaldo's great skills in 2022. He has this sort of magnetic attraction to the ball. Uh, it, when it's dropping in the penalty area, you know, he still has these magnificent strikely instincts, deadly in the box. Um, he has this sort of, you know, this narrative power, especially in the Champions League, where he just comes alight. You know, there's no lead, is no def- deficit is insurmountable when Cristiano Ronaldo is, is uh, playing a Champions League game. But the guy does not press. He presses as frequently as a centre-back. <laughs> and as we, as you can tell me, Mike, you know, you used to play professional football. Centre backs don't really press, do they? No, you, if strikers? your centre back is pressing, <laughs> you have a big, you're you're losing by a lot. Yeah, strikers is is it, quite nice, you know. In 2022, it, it's quite nice. Cristiano Ronaldo pressed last season less than any other attacking player in the Premier League. Mm. Six, uh, according to FB Ref, six and a half pressures per ninety minutes. You know, I think I could do press six and a half times in 90 minutes to be frank it's about half as many as someone like harry kane who we all think of as like well this guy doesn't do a huge amount of work off the ball anymore and we all know tuchel really values someone that works hard without the ball that starts you know chelsea defend as a unit they attack as a unit having said that imagine if he was on the bench that was my my only argument, and it, I'm not making this seriously because you can't spend half a million pounds on someone that you're bringing off the bench for the biggest games. Sorry, half yeah. a million a week. But that's the, that's that to me at the best clubs in Europe. That is the role for Cristiano Ronaldo. If he wants to play mm. for a team that might win the Champions League, he has to be a bench player. Um, wow. I can't wait for Des to clip this up, uh, <laughs> Des, our producer, and post this on social. And I am going to get. But it's it's true, and I'm sure you were, I'm sure you agree with me, Mike. That like, you know, you've seen him in a Man United show. You can't yeah. really start Ronaldo against the best teams, can you? No. Well, you look at a, a lot of where his goals came from. God missing against Manchester City, Liverpool missing in action part two, and really Tottenham. He caught them at a time when they were still just getting going against Antonio Conte. I, I wouldn't imagine. Well, so he's him under scoring. Nuno, actually. Oh, Nuno, yeah, late yeah. with Nuno. Well, and that pre so pre Antonio Conte, and even at that time when Antonio Conte came in, Spurs weren't weren't this force that they ended up being towards the end of the season. And and if he would have had the opportunity to get some of those chances, maybe he would have put him away. But against the the top teams in the Prem, 
but he didn't really show up in this first season. And, and Chelsea, when I look at transfers and systems, so there was a stat that I remember looking at throughout last season, but I don't think he's ever scored against Chelsea. And Chelsea's always been known as a defensive solid unit under Mourinho, all the way even more so through Thomas Tuchel. And if you're a player that's going to transfer into another team, you have to give them a reason to transfer you. You have to have been a, a prolific goal scorer against them or just have lit it up in the prem. What he did last year was amazing for his age, but against high-quality opposition, I, I just don't think it was enough to, to see him getting over the line and seeing this deal done. Plus, the price tag is astronomical. For what's, I think Thomas Tuchel and the, and the power. There's just so much going into this deal. Um, but I'm, I'm right there with you, Benj. I think his goals and what he can give you in Champions League competition, sometimes you just can't overlook. Yes. Well, well, you can. I think you can. I mean, <laughs> right. So he's he had he had by all accounts this fantastic individual season for Manchester United. Yep. And he scored 18 goals in the Premier League. Yeah. And 18. Manchester United scored 20 something fewer with him in the team than they did without him. And there are plenty of reasons behind that that are not Ronaldo's fault. But equally, kind of everything the promise, and I remember writing this piece a year ago when I was kind of saying, I, I don't really think Ronaldo is going to solve the issues of this team, and I think it's a big risk. And the argument you would make in your head, and you would write, whether you were pro or anti this deal for, for Manchester United, you would still make the, the case, but it's going to be good for the players around him to learn what it's like to work with him. Has it been good for Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, oh. Bruno Fernandes? Whether that's because Ren I mean, they may have learned a lot off Ronaldo on the training pitch, but I did not see it get applied on the pitch. You yeah. know, this is a a, a player that, that took, a, you know, I think they had United the previous season had about, I, I wrote this, but I haven't got it in front of me, but I think it was more than half a dozen players in the Premier League had more than 40 shots. Mm. Those numbers cratered and the, it basically became a Bruno and Ronaldo were the only players getting a, a high number of shots. So, I thought, I thought it so often it hit inhibited Sancho. There are other reasons why Sancho wasn't a success, and you saw in the preseason friendly how much better he is with an overlapping right back. Mm. I don't think he like he helped Rashford to to end his sort of spiral. Um, I'm not sure anyone else was was that much better. He is a magnetic, powerful force, and I think still, if he goes in the right team in the right role, he can make positive impacts. But if he's a sort of foundational piece of your team. The last few years with Juventus and Real and uh, Manchester United would suggest that at the moment, if your team is is based around and your attack is about, based around mm. getting the ball to Ronaldo, it's not going to be a title-winning attack in the Champions League or the Premier League or Serie A. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and this could be the humbling pie that he gets this transfer window if just no one really wants him and he's a one-away striker that has to go back to United and it becomes this struggle between he and Tin Hag, Tin Hag trying to court him. So I ask you this. The choice is clear, presented by Gillette. And is the choice clear for Cristiano Ronaldo? Should he stay? Should he go? And if so, where? For me, the choice is pretty clear, and he should stay. Mm. I think right now, he is kind of at risk of burning through a lot of goodwill from the only or for one of the clubs that holds him in the absolute highest regard, 
you see that Manchester United fans are already frustrated to see that that kind of he doesn't want to stick around. And obviously, we were told when Ronaldo joined a year ago, and when he rejected supposedly rejected Manchester City to join, we were told that that there was this emotional pull. And if that emotional pull is so strong, do you really not want to help Manchester United improve? Do you not want to be a force for good under Eric Ten Hag and to to kind of lead this rebuild? You know, I, I know that there's I I understand the desire to be selfish, to maximise your career. You know, he has worked so hard in, over his career and he's entitled to try and get the best out of it. But I'm sorry, Cristiano, that, that there is not that move available. I will add one caveat, one move that I could see because it is a combination of, or it's a club that is so obsessed, that is so unreliable in the transfer window right now. And it would burn a lot of goodwill with another oh of the clubs that considers him a legend. The only team I can imagine taking Cristiano Ronaldo and paying him huge wages is Barcelona. Oh, is, no is, way. Look at what they're doing. I mean, Robert Lewandowski is <laughs> a much better player. He's yeah, much yeah. better right now. Oh, and clearly, no. But, you know, I'm looking for a team that's got money and... and Barcelona are acting like a team that has money. Uh, I'm looking for a, a team that is obsessed with star power, doesn't necessarily think that much about building their squad with a plan in mind. That's Barcelona, baby. Sign him oh, up. Man. Ben, our producer, Des Norris, saying, don't you dare say Barcelona. He was one step ahead of you in that. I, I For a split second, I thought you were going to say Arsenal. And I was like, what? Because you, you teed it up Not with a the bench roll. Backing up Gabriel Jesus, I thought maybe a little London under the bright lights of the Emirates. Thought you're going that direction, but Barcelona, wow, that would be the blockbuster. You talk about the entire city, the entire region of Catalonia burning down overnight. I, I oof, that would that would that would definitely be a new chapter in Cristiano Ronaldo's legacy. I agree with you that the choice is clear as a United fan. Look, at the end of the day, when I look at our attack, Anthony Martial is leading the line given their their preseason match against Liverpool from what we saw. But we don't really have depth at the striker role. And because Ten Hag and United were planning on having Cristiano Ronaldo around because of the Frankie de Jong chase and just so much still being put towards getting rid of players, I, I think this would be disastrous if he left and, and it would be it would tarnish his legacy, especially in the red half of the city of Manchester. Wouldn't think he'd be welcome back if he went to any Premier League rivals or if he left in this manner when things are hard. And on the flip side of things, Benj, let's talk Todd Bowley, American owner, wealthy, wealthy guy, takes over Roman Abramovich's Chelsea and you know, he, he's no stranger to bidding on Chelsea. I think he bid back in 2019, $3 billion. Obviously, it wasn't the right time, but because of things off the field, the war in Ukraine forces Chelsea in Abramovich's hand, and he is the newest owner in the Premier League to you know, with American backgrounds. How would you assess his job as a chairman slash sporting director, as you described, at Chelsea so far? I'm going to cop out. Uh, and say it's much too early to say mm. because at the moment I'm I'm struggling a little bit to get my head around kind of where they're at and I think that's on and off the field and to an extent mm. that is understandable because when we look at the context of what led us to Todd Bowley's 
ownership, as you were explaining there, Mike, you know, these are pretty unprecedented circumstances. It's not just Roman Abramovich that's left as well, but, you know, like said, Petr Cech has left, Marina Granovskaya, Bruce Buck. And, you know, Chelsea are going to try and build out a best-in-class, was what I was told, best-in-class back office. But it doesn't exist yet, and you can't do that quickly, you know whether because the people you want are at other clubs or they want to take time to think it through. It just doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, therefore, this a lot of this is falling on Bowley's shoulders. Uh, you know, obviously, he is the face of the, the consortium with him and Clear Lake and, and various other shareholders. Um, he is He's doing an awful lot at once. And it's hard to know what they're, what the plan is that they're building towards. I mean, we sort of see this in recruitment mm. where the midfield looks old. It looks a little bit light on numbers yep. and yet there's no real focus there. We're seeing them chasing three centre-backs at once. I know they lost obviously. And, and this is the other thing. They're playing a lot of catch up, you know, losing Rudiger and Christensen for nothing, basically losing Lukaku for nothing because it was that difficult keeping him around. It is, you know, Burley has started on the back foot, I know that people that are, that know Chelsea better than me say that you know they, that, that there's been a lot of people very impressed by his attitude, his willingness to listen and be open and honest and communicate. But you know he is he has come in at a very tough time, and um, I think for now, actually, the fairest thing to do is just go take some. You know, let's not let's not assess him. Let's hmm. see where he is. Maybe not even at the end of this window. In a year's time, we might have a, a an idea of how well. Todd Bowley has changed this club on and off the pitch. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about some of the the players they're linked with and really that that need to to fit into Thomas Schuster's system and wants and desires and also the need to to make an impression as a Premier League owner and chairman with a blockbuster signing and you know what do you make of the signing of Raheem Sterling? Do you think that that that's enough to wow Chelsea fans to give them hope? I, I love it. I think it's fantastic because yeah. the, the sort of issue when you looked at Chelsea's front three last season really looked like it was going to be on that left of the, of the three. You mm. know, obviously Lukaku struggled, but every time I watched Chelsea and Kai Havertz was playing, I was like, well, there's your solution. And obviously that's what Tuchel concluded quite swiftly. Havertz is the, he's not really a false nine. I hate when, can I just go on a rant? I hate <laughs> no, when. absolutely. He, I mean, he is a bit more, but he's he's kind of like a target man as well. I just and, and people have said this about Sterling that Raheem Sterling's going to play the false line. No, he's not. He's not going to no. do what you know a Leo Messi or a Francesco Totti did and and start <laughs> start on um you know start in that that deep number ten role and, and do stuff from that. He he's going to play like a poacher in behind. Sorry, ran over. He's Sterling, not a false nine. I have it maybe. <laughs> um, but Sterling was the kind of missing piece for me in that attack. He's an upgrade on on Pulisic and Werner. Someone yeah. that gets in the box, gets shots away. He does have that Werner-ish tendency to miss a lot of big chances, but he scores an awful lot as well. I think the second most goal contributions of any player under Pep Guardiola after Leo Messi is, is Raheem Sterling. Hmm. He's consistent. He's excellent. He's going to have a point to prove to Guardiola and to Gareth Southgate and make sure he nails down that World Cup squad. I love it. And also, you know, he's a, he's a London boy as well. I think in yeah. every way, this is a really, really good signing. The only thing I would say is a, is a slight uh, cloud, a dark lining on the silver cloud that we have. Um, he's quite old, you know, at least mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, 27, 27, is it? You know, he's 
he's got to hit the ground running in, in years one, two, and three. It's not a signing for 10 years. It's a signing for three three to five years. Could be great, yeah. though, for those three yeah. to five years. Well, given the likes that you have, you already have English talent there. You talk about the World Cup and the World Cup being on the horizon, the motivation for players. You know, that's one thing that Bowley and this Chelsea team have in their pocket. But talk to me about his relationship with Thomas Tuchel. Because when you're an American owner and you come into the Premier League, you have a lot to do. You have a lot of rebuild and refresh in this Chelsea squad that didn't perform to expectations last season. Now, is that relationship, do you know much about that relationship, how that is? And also, you know, is Thomas Tuchel or someone within that staff advising him? It's Thomas Tuchel is, is advising Bowley quite heavily in that he has real influence. Hmm. Obviously, as, as I was saying earlier, a lot, a lot of the people that were above Tuchel have have left the club. Uh, you know, your Bruce Bucks, your Granovskyers. So inevitably, when that vacuum in, of power is created, something fills it. And it's pretty clearly too cool. You know, we are seeing this when they're looking at someone like Presnel Kimpembe, who used to work mm. with Tuchel at PSG. You can see that that's a, a sign of his growing authority. And don't forget as well, he is hugely popular with supporters. Like uh, every game at Stamford Bridge I was at last season, You'd hear those chants of "We've got Super Tommy Tuchel." Uh, he is a he, uh, 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 he, and he wants to be there for the long haul. Chelsea yeah. fans want him there for the long haul. He knows what he's doing, and yes, it was a disappointing season last season by their very high standards. And I think, I mean, actually, to be fair, as he said in the FA Cup final post-match press conference, they got to two finals and just happened to lose to Liverpool. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. Given the circumstances, what I think is one of the most trying seasons any club has gone through in the Premier League in recent years. I think he's, I mean, safe as houses, really. I I know it's Chelsea, but it's a different sort of Chelsea. (laughs) And and, and Todd Burley won't want to sort of, he won't want to be quite as like Abramovich sacking any manager once there's a a bad run of five games. If nothing else, there just aren't that many coaches that Chelsea haven't burned their way through. But yeah. You know, this has been a a trying time for Tuchel, but one in which he's emerged more admired and, and more influential at Chelsea, that's for sure. Oh, that, that happens when you deliver the Champions League in the way that they did against one of your Premier League rivals in Manchester City in, in year one in the style that Thomas Tuchel did. And I, I love what you said about how he was able to miraculously steer this Chelsea ship to safety. And when you're a new owner coming in and, you're, you're really Todd Bowley's a hands-on sort of owner. And given that he will want to have his face there. He will want to have his impact there. But I agree with you in his best confidant. The best thing he can do is rely on the experience of Thomas Tuchel, who's been there for the good times and, and the uncertain times and has still come out on top. The soccer calendar knows no breaks. So it's always all systems go here on K Golasso. Staying on top of the global game is an all-day gig. Then there's the added stress of being a helplessly loyal Manchester United fan who obsesses over every minor detail concerning my club. Throw in, on top of that, the studio lights, the public speaking, the breaking news. It's a recipe for perspiration. Nuh-uh, not for yours truly. Fortunately for me, sweat and bad odors are two things I never have to worry about. Thanks to the long-lasting power of Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant. I can get on with my day 
which mainly involves staying on top of the later man- latest Manchester United news and telling myself it's strictly for work purposes without breaking a sweat. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant goes on an anti-white mark formula and protects your nostrils from those nasty under armpit smells while giving you 72 hours sweat protection. If you want all day freshness, the choice is clear. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant is a tap-in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to K Golasso. I'm Michael Hood here with James Benj. Benj, so far, so good on the show. We're talking Chelsea. We're talking transfers. And let's dive into this year's Chelsea transfer window. New owner, same coach. How would you rate their transfer window so far? Raheem Sterling looks like Koulibaly might be a done deal or close. Nathan Aki, talk to me about that. How would you rate them? I actually like all three of those signings. I, let, if we start with the big one, we were obviously talking about this beforehand. Raheem Sterling for me, and maybe get your scores as well. That's a mm. eight out of ten transfer as well. Decent price paid for an England international, someone who knows the league, and and you can get them in straight away. Koulibaly, who kind of as we speak, he's been doing his medical in London, and then he's mm. going to fly out to the states next week. That's pretty much all done and dusted. I'm intrigued. Um, I remember talking to the Napoleona Aurelio Di Laurentiis six years ago. And even at then, Chelsea were desperate to get him. You know, Antonio Conte was phoning up Di Laurentiis saying, please, please give me Koulibaly. And, uh, you know, I can find the videos on my social media page. And Di Laurentiis was like, sorry, I need him. Which kind of does beg the question, why can he go now? D- d- at 31, do Napoli feel like they don't need him anymore? He wasn't going to sign a new contract. So this is a good way to cash in. Hmm. I I think if you have to replace Antonio Rudiger, it's a ve- it's a good signing. I, I I think in an ideal world they would have kept Rudiger, who is better. But Koulibaly is a very, I mean he does everything really well. You see some videos on it and him on social media. He's going to have those Rudiger qualities of advancing the ball up the pitch, maybe even taking the odd shot and hitting them really well. In addition yeah. to being just a absolutely top tier dominant centre-back he'll let them you know put him and anyone else pretty much next to him you can play a back four which Tuchel hasn't always been that comfortable doing Ake better than he gets credit for when I saw him play at City and it was infrequently I thought he played well you know for a left-sided centre-back in a back three yeah I think he's pretty solid my thing with that would be and I know we'll come to talk about a, a few other players as well but if you sign Ake and you lose Levi Colwell who lit lit it up with Huddersfield last season in the championship, really highly rated. And a lot of Premier League teams will try and get him if he thinks there isn't a path to first-team football. I would rather have Colwell as my fifth, sixth-choice centre-back than Ake. If Ake is only coming for squad depth, you've got that in your academy. And we've seen so often Chelsea losing these really talented youngsters because they haven't given him a chance. I don't know what you think as well on on those three. Yeah, I I think the the fact that we talked about Ronaldo not coming in. I think that would have been a distraction from the real need for this Chelsea team. Koulibaly, I, I, I love. He's won the AFCON recently, captained the team to victory. And in those in that run-in in the tournament, the fact that he stepped up in big games, he tends to step up for Napoli. And in big games for Senegal, he steps up and he will be their leader at the upcoming World Cup. He has that confidence factor and, and that calm. To play in the Premier League, you, you need to have swagger. You need to be able to you know, go up against the, the biggest and strongest, fastest. But you need to have that air of calmness in big games when you're going up against the cities, the Liverpools. And 
you know, it, I, I was going to ask you if you thought, and you answered that by saying, is this an upgrade in Koulibaly versus Antonio Rudiger? I, I think given where they're at right now, I, I would argue that I kind of think it's an upgrade for Chelsea getting Koulibaly versus Rudiger. Rudiger, the way he ended his Chelsea career, I mean, he was lights out last season. I mean, hitting bangers from 40 yards out, playing at the peak of his powers. But he still he, he still has that that ability to come up with one rash error, one red card away that I, we could see get exposed in, in Madrid in the upcoming season. For Koulibaly, a Chelsea team that's trying to find their identity with a manager that really loves this back three system. They need that calming presence. It's not going to be Thiago Silva. He's getting older. They need someone who's playing at the peak of his powers, and I think they'll have him in Koulibaly. And given what you said about Raheem Sterling earlier, let's go. Uh, let's dive into English talent. Connor Gallagher, do you think that he's a player that could break through in this upcoming Chelsea team? <laughs> I, I, I don't think there are many more unorthodox footballers in the Premier League than Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher doesn't really do anything that a big six midfielder tends to do. He has a skill set that when you compare it to a lot of other Chelsea midfielders, they don't have. So in that sense, fantastic. What a guy to get. But what you really have is someone who presses hard, wins the ball back, um, takes a lot of shots and takes them well and gets in positions to make a contribution in the final third. But as a central midfielder, he's not a big one for possession, for build-up, for setting the tempo, for breaking down low blocks. And he didn't have to do that at Crystal Palace where, you know, Patrick Vieira did wonderful to maximise Gallagher's qualities. It was a a 4-3-3 without the ball uh, with Gallagher dropping in to be a midfielder and then almost immediately a 4-4-2 uh, when Palace got the ball back and, and Gallagher was one of the two strikers. And obviously there are lots of teams that do something similar, but not to the dramatic extent that Palace did. How that comes across in a Thomas Tuchel team, I don't know. And I'm really excited to find out. I think it could be great. I also think Gallagher's not so fantastic that you change the whole identity of how you play yeah, yeah even if you switch to a 4-3-3 you know you would have Jorginho Kovacic Kante Mount I will come to talk about the midfield anyway in a moment you'd have all of them ahead of him in the pecking order and I think I don't know but I think it this may end up being like not the perfect fit of manager and player but like Give it a go, man. He's a really interesting footballer, and I can't wait to see. Uh, I can't wait to see how he gets on at Chelsea. Yeah, it'll provide good competition given this Chelsea midfield is aging, and injuries have been a big problem. And a player who's on the cusp of breaking into the uh, English national team in a World Cup year, this could be the break that he and England are looking for. And given what they've done in the transfer window and they, they've been active so far and continue to be active, have they done enough to challenge as a club for the Premier League title next season? No, not quite. That doesn't mean that they can't... Uh, like, I think Chelsea could be the third best team in Europe. Could be. Wow. But I think the first and second te best teams are English. I know this wasn't reflected in the Champions League final. But I think they're English, and I think they are way out in front 
And I think Chelsea are missing actually a few pieces. Um, I'll be intrigued to see how, how, whether Ben Chilwell's back to his best at left back if or left wing back. If not, that's a problem. I still think just compared to what City, what you can confidently predict City and Liverpool will get from their forwards. Yeah. Do we see enough goals, even with the addition of Sterling in that front line? I think it needs a needs a player like Mo Salah or Erling Haaland. That's what Chelsea, mm. uh, what what Liverpool and City are going to have. And it's probably what Chelsea don't quite. I think Raheem Sterling will get quite a lot of goals, but I think if he's your top scorer, you probably aren't winning the title. The big yeah. thing for me though is midfield. I think Jorginho, Ngolo Conte getting older, getting more in, in Conte's case, getting injured more. Jorginho was never the best defensively. And um, I think that started to get found out last season. And it just feels a little light on numbers, whatever system Tuchel's going to use. I think it needs one more really quality player in there. Even then, I just, I think if if City and Liverpool are, are at the peak of their powers again this season, Chelsea are going to struggle to keep up with that pace and I think it's more likely to be a that they will find themselves in a little bit of a battle with Tottenham and with Arsenal. Say we'll oh, see. I'm so glad you said it. So glad you and said it. And with Arsenal. I think that, that you one and two, I couldn't tell you the order. Three, four, five. I mean, I, mm. I've got a rough idea of where they'll land, but I think there's quite a bit of flexibility there. But I think Chelsea will probably be nearer to Tottenham, Arsenal, than they will be to... Uh, Liverpool and City. What do you think? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I I think this Chelsea team, unless they they do wonders in particular in midfield, they, they they could miss out on top four. I pick your Arsenal team and also Tottenham, given they've been very active and they've had depth. They have a lot of depth now in that system that Antonio Conte wants to run. In that mid middle of the park, contract situations is what worries me about Chelsea. Jorginho's contract is going to be up. N'Golo Conte contract is going to be up. And given that there's no commitment from the club, there's no commitment really from the players. I know Jorginho came out and said that he wants to stay at Stamford Bridge. But why not go for a younger midfielder? Why not go somewhere like Portugal or France where you have young talent that's up and coming that can fit into that counterattacking, high-pressing defensive shell and really springboarding in into free-flowing attack? And also, given in the attack, the need for a striker, it looks like Kai Havertz will be that person unless Thomas Tuchel is is implored, Todd Bowley and you know, the, the the board that is, to go after Robin Lewandowski and the uncertainty of his career. That's, that's a big gamble, and that's a, that's a big gamble to put all your chips in for a player that's clouded in uncertainty. Will he be able to leave Bayern or not? And he's still under contract. So I worry about this Chelsea team still going into next season. Yeah, I, I agree. I also think we do have to kind of remember that it didn't all, all the instability, all the turbulence, it doesn't all stop when yeah. Roman Abramovich sells the club. You know, there is a whole new organization, a new identity to Chelsea, and that needs to bed in. That will take time. There will be like hiccups along the way. I've got no doubt of that. And I think in the end, you know, Chelsea have all those sort of inbuilt advantages that any other kind of 
Premier League t- or any other member of the big six do. You know, huge revenue, Champions League money coming in, quality players, great academy. They got all those things, so they will be fine. But I think maybe even in this stage of the summer where we love to talk about, oh, everyone's got a chance of the title. Maybe this summer we kind of need to think about it as a as a reset point for Chelsea and that it, it might be two years maybe before they're, mm. they're back up to where they were when they were winning the Champions League final. I mean, hey, who knows? They've got a world-class manager. They could achieve anything, especially in cup competitions. But I think 38 games of the Premier League might show us that they're, they're a little way off uh, Liverpool and City. Well, Chelsea may have a world-class manager, but we have a world-class sports personality in you, James Bench. Thank you, as always, for your contributions, your thoughts on everything English Premier League and world football. This has been Kay Golasso. Started with Ronaldo, ended with Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel and Todd Bowley. Final thoughts, James Bench, as we close out. I'm very intrigued to find out who this Saudi Arabian club are that are uh, offering Cristiano Ronaldo what sounds like all the money in the world. Um, I yeah, I would not be doing that if I was Ronaldo. He's still got, <laughs> and I'm sure he still feels he has a point to prove in Europe. I mean, the reason this guy is one of the greatest of all time is because he always feels like he's got a point to prove to someone. Mm. And I don't doubt he'll feel like he has a point to prove against Chelsea when he runs up against them in whatever club colours it might be. Yeah, I'm interested to see what Ronaldo does and where his mentality shifts to because that relationship with he and Manchester United as a whole is going to need to be repaired. Where this Chelsea offer and attempt has been rejected. And really, if he takes the money and runs, that's the biggest damage to his legacy, not his bank account, which doesn't need any more dollars and cents. I mean, this guy is just loaded and he's earned every single penny. But with so much rebuilding happening at the club i'm interested to see should he show up for preseason what happens he and eric ten hog and, and on the chelsea front gosh these transfers that are happening they're so close to happening for their back line i'm interested to see how they gel with an aging tiago silva in the end but as always we'll see in the coming weeks and months good news is premier league soccer is almost back this has been Kay Galasso. i'm michael hood he's james bench goodbye Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.